there. Thanks for joining us on the Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. The Sermon Talkback is where pastors and members of Christ Covenant can process the sermon, ask questions, and more practically apply the content of the sermon. If you do have a question you would like to have dialogued, please use our text-to-pastor line at 404-465-1737. And if you'd like to find more resources, visit ChristCovenant.com slash resources. We hope you enjoy the discussion. All right, guys. Well, I'm joined today by Blake Rogers. Uh, it's good to be here. Former former college basketball coach, present five and six year old basketball coach. That's right. I could not be more excited. Are you excited? Uh, Northside Met- United Methodist, Northside United <laughs> Methodist Church basketball league. Michael You're, Tucker and I. We're gonna. I think Rainer. I think better. Rainer can play some defense. You know, he was there yesterday. Yeah. I got to observe. How do you I look? Went a little early. How do you look? He looked good. I mean, he, it was a. Uh, it was interesting. I mean, they had like forty guys out <laughs> doing like. I mean, you you got forty kids out on the court like doing something together. There's like one or two of them that could actually proficiently do the oh, drills. Yeah, the rest of them are really struggling through. So um, your your coaching career path is going exactly according to plan, right? According to plan, man. Yeah, that's awesome. And then I'm also joined, as you hear, the great baritone of Jordan Coughlin. You coach anything these days? Present. No. That's nice. That is nice. I prefer to be a parent when my kids are playing. Yeah. I I like to call myself the helpful parent, but I always get (laughs) roped into coaching something. So, Um, Well, guys, um, we just finished up yesterday, Nehemiah. I, uh, I enjoyed this little study. Um, we kind of yesterday, obviously, if you listen to the sermon, it was, uh, we kind of did the whole second half of the book in one day. Mm-hmm. Way to go, man. Which is, I don't think it's a horrible way to do it, actually. Um, I kind of gave the whole like John Piper, this is Florida, this is Florida. There's, you can read the Bible fast, you can read the Bible slow. And the Bible speaks to you in different ways that way, right? Yep. If you're just looking at, one particular story or verse or pericope or whatever it is chapter, the Bible will say things to you that way. But then if you look at like four or five chapters or a book of the Bible at a time, Mm -hmm. the Bible will say different things to you that way. And so um, just to kind of go through yesterday's sermon, at least least in terms of textually, from chapter seven to chapter, the end of chapter 12, it just seems like everything's great. Couldn't, things couldn't be better. Yeah. Um, people are coming back into Jerusalem. People are confessing their sins. Um, they're celebrating the presence of God. There's peace between the leaders inside Jerusalem and outside Jerusalem. The wall is dedicated. There's sacrifices, there's shouting, there's trumpets, and the sound of joy is heard far from Jerusalem. And then Nehemiah goes away for a little while and everything mm-hmm. falls apart. Um, and uh, and basically everything that they weren't supposed to do, they did. Um, and the book ends in this very, I used the word frustrating. Blake, you didn't like love that word, but uh, I, want, I want you to explain kind of what your thoughts are. I use the word frustrating just in terms of if I was just... <clears throat> Like if I was writing the movie Nehemiah, mm-hmm. I would want the end credits to go 
chapter 12, verse 43. Yeah. I would want to cut the last chapter off of the book. And I think that maybe this is the way Nehemiah is told. Um, you know, Paige mm-hmm. was telling me about a book that she read that kind of looks at the book of Nehemiah. And she was like, I never realized it had ended that way. I wonder if like <laughs> people are kind of inadvertently saying, eh, chapter 13, let's let's leave that off. Um, yeah. It's not important. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it'd be awesome if it did end with the women and children rejoicing, wouldn't it? Yes. Yeah, it would be amazing. But like, you know, I just think the point of Nehemiah is found in Nehemiah's prayer at the very beginning. And so it's almost like, I, I don't know where we as story hearers or listeners like develop this like desire for just raw anticipation and like the big reveal at the end. But the Bible, you know, certainly also kind of follows that paradigm with like the fullness of the revelation of God being in the person and work of Christ. But all throughout, he's been telling us the same thing, right? In Nehemiah's prayer, verse five, chapter one, he says this, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. I I think like as hearers who believe this to be true, that should be the total hope of whatever twists and turns happen all throughout this story, whether the wall gets built at all, whether it happens in 52 days, 52 you know, days or, you know, 52 years, 52 years. Yeah, that's right. I mean, like whatever happens throughout this book, no matter the circumstance that Nehemiah finds himself in, his hope is in a God who keeps covenant. And that's certainly like, I think, really hopeful and good for us because we live in this world and we are among those people in chapter 13 who have invited Tobias uh, things into the chamber of God. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are those kinds of people, but even still, our hope is in a God who keeps covenant and, yeah. and has steadfast love for those who love him and keep his commandments. Can I share a pastoral reflection? I think Please, so. Please, Jordan. That's what it's for. Hey, thanks, guys. You are a pastor. Hey, thanks. So I, you know, I do one of, one of my roles here is to do counseling um, in, in the biblical counseling department of Christ's covenant. And a lot of the counseling I do centers on the challenge we have in believing that my story is not the most important thing, that it's actually that my story is a part of God's bigger story. <coughs> mm-hmm. That's that's not only part of the surrender in being a Christian, but ultimately I'd say on the other side of that surrender, there's actually joy, right? Right, Because God's story is much better and he's, he's writing a beautiful story that we're connected to. But that is our consistent challenge. My own life, you know, anyone going through difficulty in their life, it's to look at it through the lens of, wait a second, this is my story. And my story has to have a good ending and and it's not going well right now. And so I think like Nehemiah is so instructive and helpful to your point, Blake, because what we tend to take out of Nehemiah, you know, we were talking earlier, what what the most of the books about Nehemiah are about either. Wow, that's amazing that they built the wall in 52 days or Nehemiah. Wow, what a great leader. Um, it's not necessarily about what Jason, actually you've kind of brought in or out of the passages in this series in Nehemiah. It's the fact that no, actually this is about God's faithfulness, Mm -hmm. right? right? It's about God moving things forward in redemptive history. So I just think like zooming out, I think we need to remember 
that no matter what is going on in our lives, our role is to be faithful, but it's also to believe that God mm-hmm. is writing a better story. Right. That's right. And that, that's where we find peace. And, you know, I mean, I even think that came out yesterday. Again, I really like Nehemiah. I defend Nehemiah. I mean, there is a lot to like about Nehemiah and there's a lot to learn from Nehemiah. So those, I mean, if you've read a like leadership book mm-hmm. centered on Nehemiah, I wouldn't say like throw the whole thing out. Right. Yes. Yeah. I would correct. just say that there may be something more going on that you need to also pay attention to. And, you know, I think one of those things um, primarily, maybe the main thing is, is that Jesus, our Lord, is a better Nehemiah in yeah. his mercy and kindness toward us. And um, his faithfulness toward us is even greater. I mean, uh, and I tried to point this out yesterday. Nehemiah does have this, um, you know, remember me, Lord, remember me, Lord. That's a that's actually a refrain throughout the whole thing. And again, I get that. He's trusting in the Lord. He's wanting God to remember him. The amazing thing about Jesus is he's such a mediator for us that he's actually able to take on it rather than, you know, the, another thing that we saw in Nehemiah yesterday, he comes in, he beats the people, he pulls their hair out. It's a pretty gruesome scene. He yells at them. Jesus, our Lord, was the one that was willing to be beaten, to be yelled at, to have his head uh, dishonored. And yet he says in that moment, on account of my faithfulness, remember them. The the irony of that is he is the faithful one. He is the only one who is actually faithful to God at all time. And yet he receives the curse of our punishment. Mm -hmm. And if we really have a leader like that, that doesn't just, so, you know, Nehemiah leads with a certain like, man, there's good principles here. We could have success here we could do something great here which are all great motivators but if really if if we really have a god who was willing to have his head dishonored who was willing to be beaten who was willing to be yelled at even though he was the only one that was faithful on account of us the unfaithful that actually changes your heart and that was one of the questions that we got what is this new heart and i i think that we're getting at the new heart in that idea, um, you know, what does it mean to have your heart of stone replaced for a heart of flesh? And I I tried to get at this a little bit yesterday, but I think that we naturally, our propensity is towards self-worship, self-love. I think that goes all the way back to the fall. The serpent says to Eve, you'll be like God. And I think a new heart is when you actually believe that Jesus is better, Mm -hmm. that God actually is better than me. Mm -hmm. God is better than anything. His love, his wisdom, his might is more pure. And so it goes against our natural bent and it leads us to a true love in him. And that happens uh, in the preaching of the gospel. That happens by the power of the Holy Spirit in regeneration. That happens as we further and further fall in love with the Lord in our sanctification. That happens fully in glorification. But I do think that's what we're talking about with a new heart where I I actually, my heart is reoriented to love and desire God more than I love and desire myself. That's good. And to me, that is the whole hope of the Christian gospel. Mm-hmm. And that love, you know, very practically fleshes itself out in a trust, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's... It's a trust in God. Like 
no matter what I'm going through and like, you know, to come back to Nehemiah, I mean, by the way, like every story, every life that, that we live ends horribly, right? Mm. It ends horribly in death. Yeah. Like you, you don't, ass- yeah. I mean, like we like to think that our, our life is just like we work, we learn, we work, and then we reap. And that's what we're told. And that's kind of the arc that we are sold. But like the end of that is you're in a six feet under. I mean, right. you're, you're, you have a cold, hard grave right. <laughs> that you rest under. And yeah. so um, with that in mind, with chapter 13 in mind, with loving God, like having a heart of, of, of flesh that loves the Lord, what does that result in? It, it says, Lord, I trust you. Like, I, I don't know all of the twists and turns, even to the grave. I'm trusting that the the work that you've done for me in Christ is applicable and will ultimately dominate yeah, my amen. circumstance. Amen. Yeah. And, and I think that to your point, Blake, you know, our, our the, the lie of the self is is to take confidence in your renown and take confidence in your abilities and take confidence in, uh, you know, your ability to be remembered, your ability to be ongoing. Um, but you know, you know, I've heard it said, this is something that people have said uh, certainly before me, like, you know, your dad's name, you know, your granddad's name, maybe, you know, your great grandfather's name, but did did any of y'all know your great, great grandfather's name or grandmother's? Blake, know, Captain probably John. does, but <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I don't remember. Like you can't name all your name. great great no, grandparents, no, right? No, right. Yeah, absolutely. Not. And neither can I. Uh, and so uh, I don't even know if I know any of my great great grandparents' names, um, which is you know that's kind of unbelievable. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like a history guy, you know, <laughs> yeah. right? And and nobody nobody knows and nobody remembers. And so to your point, like hoping in this life and in your life. It's, it's the little rock, you know, I, I mm-hmm. was trying to give that illustration yeah. yesterday. We, we can't actually pull off the religion of self that we all desire, yeah. um, but we just can't pull it off. We're not sovereign. We're not righteous. We're not really that creative. Um, and so the littlest thing or a big thing like death ends up totally tilting the scale the other way well that's i love the book of ecclesiastes because it it highlights that fact right like all is vanity and chasing after the wind and solomon talks about like even if you make you know if you gain everything in your life what happens well your kids get it and you know then they they waste it and squander it away right it just it It may be a disservice to them exactly yeah it highlights though the yeah the the (laughs) futility of trusting and believing or basing our confidence on what we have or have don't have in in this life right Mm -hmm. yeah um, you know, the other thing that we talked about that we're hinting at is fear. And really, fear is this just kind of awe of God. Um, I thought your prop was really helpful. It was a little toy. Yeah. Where, where, where did you find that toy? Well, I, you know, so I, I, it would have been better if I'd had like a big metal like scale. That's kind of what I had in my mind, my imagination. <laughs> um, but I didn't think of that until Friday when I was working on my sermon and the little toy scale was the only one on Amazon that would come in oh, by nice, Sunday. Nice. So it's a good uh, purchase though. Yeah. So 
But yeah, that that sermon probably sells a little better, if you will, if it has like the big, <laughs> you know, metal scale, like the, I'm thinking of, you know, the, you see like a picture of justice, like Lady Justice right, yeah. with mm-hmm. the scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that really, uh, that's where it gets, you know, that where it gets awesome. So it's sorry. Still, it still accomplishes its, its Sorry, Christ impact. Covenant, that uh, I just had the little toy scale. Amazon didn't deliver. Maybe 20 years from now. We'll go back through Nehemiah. Yeah. And, and I'll be like, you know, you guys, I use this thing. I mean, that, that's probably, that's an illustration you could probably use in other things. Just having a, the weighing things in your life rightly. Um, there are a lot of themes that came up in the book of Nehemiah. It's a great book to study. Um, we looked at kind of some of the biblical themes, you know, the theme of temple, the theme of law, the theme of kingdom. Uh, but there are just some other good things. So I, 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 in, in understanding God's faithfulness in the redemptive story, I don't want to undersell things like prayer that people often talk about in Nehemiah, things like vision, things like overcoming opposition, things like unity, things like temptation, things like faithfulness. But all of these things are ultimately wrapped up in some bigger redemptive story that God is accomplishing. And so I think the miss with Nehemiah is that it becomes only this practical guide, only this practical guide um, to you know how to be a great leader or how to overcome a trial or whatever, rather than being how is how are you participating in the redemptive story of God? How are you participating in God's story that He's still pulling off today? Mm-hmm. Um, and if we do. Like you said, if we really see ourselves as doing that, then our lives don't have to end in verse 43 of chapter 12. You know, our lives can end in chapter 13 and we, right. we're we okay because mm-hmm. we trust the faithfulness of God. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciated how, I think we've talked about this before, how at pretty much every sermon in Nehemiah, you reminded us at the end that Jesus is the better Nehemiah. That doesn't discount to your point, what you've talked about and how we're called to be faithful and, you know, maybe follow his example in prayer or vision or whatever. Um, but you know, you just did a beautiful, uh, summation at the end of these messages, just reminding us, like we've been talking about our ultimate confidence is not in our ability to keep these things that doesn't, shouldn't ever keep us from seeking to do those things. Right. But the great confidence and hope we have as Christians is that Christ was the perfect mm-hmm. Nehemiah. Right. He was the perfect substitute for us. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You could say it this way. The Christian hope is not that we could become like Nehemiah. It's that a better Nehemiah, Jesus, has become like us. Right. And took on our sin and took on our fallenness. And by his stripes, we are healed. Because of his faithfulness, we're brought in. So, yeah, that's yeah. good. I appreciate Jason, your, um, you know, even in how you talk about like understanding the biblical principles, the values of like the leadership books that do come out about Nehemiah. And it reminds me of um, Dr. Pennington's class at Southern Seminary. And he, he really like helped me, I think, and, and probably introduced a lot more humility in the room whenever he gave this idea of a good, better and best interpretation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, you know, to your point, to understand biblical principles that are true from this book, that's a good interpretation. Mm-hmm. But it it's not getting you to the fullness or the the better or even the best understanding of this passage. And I think it's important for us and, and all of our church members to 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 understand that like 
how this book functions is that, yes, it is instructive. Yes, it is God revealing his character to us. And there's so much, so many helpful principles in it. But ultimately, in the whole story of the scripture, it's to point us forward to this Christocentric fulfillment of all of these stories. Right. Because that is the fullness That's right. of the revelation of God. He came in a person, not in just stories. That's right. And and I think like that even gets to the Florida thing that I talked about. Like that's the beauty of the scripture is yes, I there the difference between scripture and Florida is like there's one there's one main very important thing in scripture that if you miss that the rest of it doesn't really matter, right? Mm-hmm. And that right. is of course like the redeemed in Christ, like who we are in the Lord and and what the hope of the gospel really is. But that's not the only thing that's in the Bible. And so there there are these other things that are really, really helpful to our Christian life and mm-hmm. to our knowledge of God. Um, and the Bible just shows them in so many different ways. That's the amazing thing about scripture. It is like Florida in that like some of it's an orange grove, some of it's a roller coaster ride, some of it's like a day on the beach, some of it's, you know. Everglades. Everglades, what, what an Everglades. interesting place. What a weird yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I think that that, I do think that like John Piper sermon is, or, or you know, it I was a part of, it was an intro to a sermon I heard him give, you know, 12, 20 years ago, I'm sure mm-hmm. 15 years ago. Um, but it was really, really helpful. And I do think the Bible does so much. Um, and this is, you know, this is a very different genre than like the Psalms or yeah. the Proverbs or the prophets. Yeah. Um, but it's also kind of different than like the narrative form of like Genesis. I mean, it's, it's a different kind of story that, is really, really helpful. And it's certainly been edifying for me to study it. Yeah. And you, you captured well, I mean, even in this, the message you just gave you, you gave us kind of the journey through walking us through chapter seven through 13. So you kind of gave us the story, uh, you helped draw out kind of practical application and then you pointed to Jesus. But, you know, even, even in that practical application this past Sunday, you know, these categories of fear and love, there are things that you're taking out of the text and the story and helping us understand, okay, how does this apply to my life? And I, I, for one was convicted, you know, in, in those, uh, when you talked about, you know, love for God, you, you, you made the point, do you only love God in the exciting times? And this whole category of like, God is neat. Um, yeah, that, that, that was convicting, mm-hmm. you know, how often I can be excited about following the Lord. Why? Well, because exciting things are happening. Yeah. You know, he's, he's like doing great things in my life We're you know, we bought a building as a church where we're right. you know, doing right. a great ministry. Um, and friends. So it, it was just helpful. Yeah. Great friends. Yeah. Well, and and yeah. I think that we do that. I, like I'm, you know, people will say like, Oh, it seems like a lot of great things are happening. I'll be like, yeah, the Lord's been really faithful mm-hmm. when really it's like, Oh, it seems like really a lot of bad things are happening. I was like, God's really faithful. Right. You know, right, I, mean, right, I, yeah. I, I even end up like following those ruts that have been cut in the dirt. Um, because you know, that's just what you do. It's, it's just what you do. When so, that, yeah. It's a good, it's a good warning for us as individuals, for our church. You look at the Israelites, the Israelites rarely did well with blessing. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that is, and, and, and scripture gives us the answer as to why you receive blessing and you begin to think subtly, I'm pretty awesome. Like hey, I, I've, I've done yeah, this. That's right. Have and y'all, we forget have y'all listened to the most recent rise and fall of Mars Hill? Like, like halfway through. 
Okay, it's, I, I it's just like so long. two and a half hours. Right? I know. I listened to the first ten minutes last night, just on my way home for first Sunday. But the point they were trying to make is that the thing that kept the church going was the next big thing, right? You know, and I think that's a very that's really helpful. I'm excited to kind of, I don't know how they flesh that out. Yeah. You're ahead of me, but, um, I, I think that that's kind of what I was trying to say yesterday. It's like Christians know that people like neat things or Christian leaders yeah. know that people like neat things. And so we end up saying like, isn't this neat? Isn't this amazing? And again, people don't really love God. They just end up loving the neat things of God. Mm-hmm. Um, you want Braves fans that, are still going out to the game, still loving the Braves. Like, I'm going to go to the Iron Bowl this year, okay? we lost, uh, Even without your quarterback? Bo Nix broke his ankle. Oh wow. Anders Carlson tore his ACC about that. What a, what a faithful game. Because I actually love Auburn, Man. you know? But I wouldn't go to, like, a Falcons game that I knew we were going to lose because I don't care. I don't love the Falcons. But if the Falcons were going to the Super Bowl and somebody gave me tickets, I'd be like, yeah. And <laughs> right. and, and so anyway. So you're I, saying you wouldn't even go if somebody gave you tickets right now? To the Falcons? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I yeah. mean, if, like, I could take John Kellis. I, yeah, I, would, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't go to Not watch. just the, for the Falcons. For the I would go, yeah. like, to be a good dad. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. <laughs> So, yeah, but if it was just like, you know, Jason, you and a buddy can go, I'd be like, man, I'd just rather do something else. So anyway, (laughs) sorry. I'm not a great Falcons fan, you know, but I am an Auburn fan. I I love Auburn. So Uh, there's a lot more we could say. There was one other thing I was going to bring up. Uh, Oh, man, I know what it was. Dude, can you all imagine when Nehemiah got back? uh, Nothing I could have said yesterday would have represented it well. And they put... (laughs) a chamber <laughs> in the freaking temple for Tobiah. I mean, can you just like, I, I just, I, I spent probably 30 amazing. minutes thinking about like how mad and how yeah. insanely upset he must've been mm. when he saw that. Not many people get mad enough to pull people's hair out. Yeah. Yeah. That's intense. That That's is intense. intense. But intense. the Tobiah thing that yeah. must've just set him off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he was undone. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Anyway, but, but that's actually instructive. Okay. Because, and this is something I probably could have thought about more yesterday. I said that Jesus, the end of the gospel is that Jesus, you know, becomes the curse for us. He takes on the wrath of God for us, but that's kind of only the middle of the gospel. The end is that Jesus, that, that wrath against sin is brought out against the sinner and against those that don't receive his mm. grace. And so it's a great warning too. I mean, there would have been more, you could have gone further with this story to the end. Um, and one day Jesus comes with a sword in his mouth, wiping out nations. And you assume there that it is his anger, his real anger against their faithlessness, their sin, their rejection of his blessing. Um, and so let us look to Christ. Let us receive this mercy because the day of salvation is now. The The, the door is open now. Hmm. Um, and we can receive Christ with this great mercy and grace now. Um, uh, and it won't always be that way. So Amen. for Blake Rogers and Jordan Coughlin, I'm Jason Dees. Thanks for listening.